So if you guys have your Bibles, would you open to John and uh, 14, John 14, uh, 1. It's kind of an interesting story that Jesus is talking to his disciples, and you think by this time, disciples have seen a lot, enough miracles, and they've seen a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, people getting healed, blind people that can see, and people that um, were lame. So you think by now they get the point that the Jesus, there's something supernatural about Jesus, but they haven't gotten the point because Jesus says, I have to go and I'm going to prepare something for you. I'm going to prepare a room for you where I'm going. And you know where I'm going. And Thomas speaks up and says, actually, we don't. So where exactly are you going? And then Philip says, well, and Jesus says, well, you know, I'm going to the Father. And Philip speaks up and says, well, can you show us the Father? Jesus, are you serious? You've been with me the whole time, and I've told you over and over that if you see me, you've seen the Father. So what the disciples are asking for is, Jesus, how do I know that I'm on the right way? How do I know, how do I make sure that, you know, I have a relationship with God? And God, Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that's kind of what I want to focus on tonight. But before that, I want to give you kind of uh, a little bit more of a background, because I think in today's culture, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of pastors, and there's a lot of Christians that don't believe that hell is really a, a real place. They don't believe that hell is some, some place that people would spend their eternity. And that has drastic consequences, and if you're honest, you don't believe it either. I know you know that hell is a real place, I don't think we believe the hell is a real place. Let me prove it to you. Have you ever <laughs> gotten in a situation where somebody scared you? you? You know, you have one of those friends that always wants to scare you and jumps out of nowhere, and you kind of like have this moment where you, you honestly think there's some kind of danger, and you kind of jump up. Like, I remember one time I was, I was coming home from camp with a friend of mine, and we were pulling, well, I fell asleep, and we were, apparently we were driving behind a truck that was kind of like pulling another truck, and the truck was actually facing us. So we got behind that truck, and, and I was asleep, and he slammed on the brakes, and I woke up, and I saw this truck right in front of me. That was cruel. And, uh, buddy, it just scared me, like, badly. Another time I remember I heard my, my roommate scream, like this kind of like, this insane scream, right? So I ran into the kitchen trying to figure out what's going on, and apparently there was an intruder in the house. And like, both of us, we were just frozen with fear, right? <laughs> and like, I, we didn't really know, and apparently the intruder was frozen with fear too, because it was just standing there on the wall. And, uh, <laughs> I found, finally mend up, and like I took a shoe, and I just smashed the brains out of it. Uh, <laughs> that spider didn't, I mean, that spider didn't see it coming. It was gone. But looking back, <laughs> I'm just kind of amazed. Amazed that like my roommate saw a spider and freaked out so bad. <laughs> but then I came, and I kind of, I was kind of freaked out by it too. But that was not really, uh, I mean, unless it's a really poisonous spider, I don't think that was a lot of danger. But I think a lot of times we get scared because there's a perceived threat, right? Like there's a perceived threat of danger. And that's usually healthy. 
Because we want to make sure that we, don't, we stay away from things that can, I don't know, burn us, crush us, uh, destroy us, you know. Like, for example, if you were playing in the street and there's a truck coming, like, you want to get out of the way. But imagine if you didn't see it, right? Like, this is not a time for your friend to look at you and like, oh, yeah, by the way, dude, like, there's a truck that's coming, and uh, it might be here in about nanoseconds, so you might want to, like, I mean, I don't know if you've considered this before, but you should probably step out of the way. You would not have that kind of conversation, right? Like, you would just kind of, like, yell and tell your friend to get out of the way because you see there's imminent threat. Like, you, you see that there's a problem, and if he doesn't get out of the way, a lot of times you might, even, you might not even say anything. You might just pull him out of the way, right? Like, because you see there might be a problem there, right? Um, I saw a video on, on, on YouTube, I believe. Uh, this guy went bungee jumping, and like, as he was going down, his friends apparently decided to pull a prank on him. And as he was kind of like on the edge, and he was falling backwards, right? <laughs> when he started to go down, the friends, all of them together went, no, 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 no. <laughs> Imagine if you're the guy <laughs> going down. <laughs> like, that would be, like, you would think, like, did my cord, is my cord okay? Like, am I hooked up? So don't play those kind of tri tricks on your friends, but, like, they might have a heart attack. But um, there's, there's, there's a threat, there's a perceived threat. And that's healthy to do. But I think well, a lot of times we don't realize that there's a greater threat, the threat of going to hell. They don't really, we don't really see it as a threat. I mean, people make a lot of like, you know, they say things like, um, I had a really bad exam. Bro, that was like hell that I went through. Trust me, that was not hell. Hell is nothing like your exam. And you've heard the expression, um, there's hell to pay. You, you've heard when people are angry, they say, get the hell out of here. Does that offend you? <laughs> you should, right? Because like, hell in itself is an offensive place. It should be an off uh, offensive kind of phrase. But we got used to this, hearing this a lot. And when people just kind of throw it around like, oh, the hell with you. Or, hey, you know, there's hell to pay. Like, there's all these expressions, and, and you hear this, and people don't think much of it, but in reality, hell is a very, very sinister place. It's very, I mean, that's, that's an understatement of tonight, right? Like, hell is a lot worse than anybody can imagine. And a lot of people ask stuff, and they, they speculate, like, so is, is hell then going to be all fire? And it's kind of weird because the Bible uses these metaphors and allegories and stories and so on and so forth and illustrations kind of to try to portray something that we have no idea how to understand. And they, the Bible says, well, hell is like, you know, filled with fire. And it's all fire and brimstone and there's worms and stuff. And there's really darkness. And I don't think that the Bible means that literally. And you're like, yes, <laughs> so good. I think it's a lot worse. Because, you see, if it was literal, how is fire existing with darkness in the same place? Because fire produces light. Is there some kind of fire that we don't know about, that, that maybe it just burns dark? So, obviously, the Bible is trying to portray a picture of something that's so horrible that nothing in our experience can ever kind of, like, portray. Does that make sense? Hell is a lot worse 
than your worst nightmare. Hell is a lot worse than, than, you know, fire and all those things. It's a lot. Hell is, and people kind of look at this and like, well, what kind of God? What kind of God, what kind of good God can just like sit back and relax when there's people that are going to be tortured in this place? Have you ever asked that? Why would God allow good people to go to hell? Well, first of all, there's no one that's good. Everyone has, the Bible says that everyone has sinned. And if you went to blocks, you talked about it this week. Everyone has sinned, and everyone is, is deserving of what's coming. Now, how, how, how do you reconcile this idea of God being a good God, and he's sending people to a really, really hellish place? <laughs> a really bad place. Well, that's not what is really happening here. You see, what hell is, is a separation between people and God. God did not intend for you, to go to, for you or me to go to hell. When God created hell, he created it for the enemy and his dominion. Because you see, Satan and his demons decided they wanted nothing to do with God. And because they removed themselves, they rebelled themselves against God, then nothing that was good in him, everything that was good in them was taken away. So that now there's no boundaries, and they can get to a place where, where there's no return, there's no way to come back. You see, hell is basically a place where all the people, all the, the, the dominions and all the, the, you know, the enemy and his demons are scheduled to go. It was never meant for people, but if you want to be like Satan and do your own thing, then you go to hell. <laughs> C.S. Lewis puts it this way, there's people, there's only two kinds of people, those who say to God, thy will be done, and those who God says to them, okay, thy will be done. So what he's saying here is, is God saying, look, if you want to do your thing separated from me, then by all means, do your thing. God says, look, if, you, that's, a, if that's what you want in life, so no, God doesn't send, him, send people to hell. People choose to go to hell. People decide in their heart that I want nothing to do with God. And God says, okay, well, if you don't want to have anything to do with me, then the only place that there, is, that there is to go is to go with the people and with Satan and all those people that have decided that they want nothing to do with me. But the problem with that is that everyone's going to do whatever they want. And let me tell you, because they are no longer good, because there's nothing of life in them, they have some very sinister desires. So to recap, God never intended for you to go to hell. God created hell for, for Satan and his dominion. But people that decide to be like Satan, people who have decided to be like Satan and follow in the same footsteps and say, I will rebel against God and do whatever I want to do, God's going to say, okay, you want to do whatever you want to do? Do whatever you want to do. Another guy, um, I don't, I'm not sure who said this, but he said that God is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. You don't want him? Okay, the only place to go is separation from me. 
And because you separate yourself from me, you're going to be with everyone that has separated themselves from me. And that's a very dark place. Another way of, of putting it is that hell is take all the hate, all the evil, all of the murder and rape, take all those things and put them together in one place and you, that's what you get. On the other hand, what God has offered us is to spend eternity with him. And he's not going to force you to spend eternity with him. If you decide you want to just be like Satan, be like Satan. You want to be like the devil, be like the devil. It's your choice. It's interesting that a lot of times, like as a pastor, me and people in this church, we want to keep you in church. We want to see you coming to, to service. And we want to make sure that you don't leave because we care about you and we love you. And I have had countless, I've had countless conversations with so many of you. But there's this, there's this other side to City on the Hill. You know what the side is? I know there's a lot of people in this youth ministry and there's a lot of people in South Campus and, I, and the other campuses that you go clubbing and you do your drugs and you sell pills in the parking lot and do all those things. I know that that's a reality. I know that there's people in this place that you want to see how much you can be like the devil and still be saved. I don't really know how to put it in a good way, <laughs> like in the way that you can, you know, and I'm hoping that if I, if I speak to the general crowd, then if I, if I get to you, if, if, this, if the shoe fits for you, then, then do, you know, wear it. <laughs> do own up to it is what I'm trying to say. And there's a lot of people here that you come and you're, you, know, you have this one part, but on the other hand, is you want to get as close as you can to, to that place and to do whatever you want to do. Do you know how you're saved or not? Just look at your desires. Do you want to be more like Jesus? And do you go, to, when you wake up in the morning, do you say, Jesus, let your will be done in my life? Or do you just want to do your own thing, you know, because I just want to do, you know, what I want to do? Because hell is going to be filled with people that do what they want to do. And they want nothing to do with God. That's what hell is. But because of that, imagine if there's no restrictions. Imagine if you put all the murderers and the rapists and all those in one place with no restrictions, no, no police, no, no guards, nothing. Put them in one place. That thing will get dark really quickly. God has never designed you to live apart from him. But the moment you decide, I want nothing to do with God, that's the choice you make. And I sit on the hill as much as I love you, and I'll try, to, like, I'll try to hold on to you as much as I can with everything that I have. If I have to rip your clothes and, and hold you in place, if I have to, I'm going to try to do that, because that's what God has called me to do. But, it, but, but, but if you want to go and do whatever you want to do, you can do that. It's funny that Jesus never begged people to stay. Jesus actually looked at Peter and said, uh, Peter, you want to go too? Go. Because everyone left him. At some point, I think we're going to have to take responsibility for our own actions. Now, I promise this is going to get better, guys. Just, just hang with me for a second here. I'm not here to, to make you feel even more guilty or ashamed. I'm just trying to get a little bit more real with you. Because quite frankly, I think we have enough messages 
the, all the talk is, oh, you can do it, boo, like this is so great. Just, I think sometimes I get to a point where it makes me feel like throwing up. Because peanut butter is awesome and it's, it's a great product. Unless you're like me, what I ate a three pound can of it and now I can't stand it. It makes me throw up every single time I smell it. Honey is good, but if you eat three pounds of it in one session, you're probably gonna throw up. Inspiring messages are great. Messages about joy and purpose and strength and you can do it in Christ, those are great messages, but at some, po- at some point in time, we're gonna have to talk about repentance. We're gonna have to talk about the hell, hell is the real place that where people go to. And quite frankly, last night, a whole bunch of people went there. There's hundreds, if not thousands of people that die every single day. And there's millions of people that die every single year. Now, I wanna, <laughs> I wanna read this passage and uh, it's, it's uh, a story it's a story of this guy who was on death row and, you know, he wasn't saved. He didn't know Jesus. And they brought a preacher to kind of like, you know, give him his last kind of like, uh, maybe he'll, he'll convert. And I want to read you this story that's so powerful um, of, of, of this guy that basically, um, his name was Charles Peace. Kind of odd. He was on death row, but like his last name was Peace. It says, Charles Peace was a vicious criminal in England in the 1800s. Eventually, he was sentenced to be executed for taking another man's life. And Mr. Peace was getting ready to be executed. A pastor from a nearby town came and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. After listening to this pastor, Charles said, Sir, I do not share your faith, but if I did, I believed what you say, if I believed what you say you believe, then although England were covered, were covered with broken glass from coast to coast, I would crawl the length and the width on my hands and knees and think the pain worthwhile just to save a single soul. So, so what Charles Spies is saying is like, if I truly believe that hell is such a bad place like you do, if I knew the gospel, then I would, I would spend the rest of my life crawling on my knees and on my hands Throughout the whole England, if it's covered, even if it's cover, covered in, in glass, in broken glass, I will do that just to save one soul. Puts things in perspective, doesn't it? And when I say we don't really believe in hell, is because we don't act like it. If, if, if there's a truck coming and it's going to destroy your friend, you wouldn't sit there and be like, oh, well, you should probably consider, uh, but if you don't want to, that's fine. But you, you should probably, just about now, I think it's time, because in about a second or so, this truck might hit you, most likely will, most likely it's going to kill you. Uh, but you should probably, you wouldn't have this kind of conversation. You would say, get out of the way, wouldn't you? Because you have no time to reason in that moment. Hell is a lot worse than a truck. Hell is a lot worse than getting hit by a truck. And if, if in that moment you're about to get hit by a truck and your friend would employ what's called desperate measures where they yell because they're desperate for you to get out of the way, don't you think we should be desperate about people going to hell? Don't you think we should be desperate to see your friends saved? Oh, you thought we're just doing small groups because we just enjoy small groups? We thought maybe we do youth ministry because we enjoy youth ministry? 
No, there's people that die every single day and go to hell. And we want them to, to, to know a relationship with God. Uh, I'm reminded of the story that happened. There was a movie that just came out no long ago. It's called 127 Hours. You've probably heard of it. A guy went hiking, long story short, he got stuck between a hard place and a rock, or a rock and a hard place, quite literally. He fell into like a, some kind of crevice, and, and there was a boulder that kind of like pinned his arm, and he couldn't get out for 127 hours. To which he saw, and you know, he, he had to somehow react to this because he had to choose between dying or, or cutting up his arm and living. He says the only problem is that he had a really dull knife. So he had to endure cutting his arm off so he can survive. He did survive, and that's why they made the movie and so on and so forth. But like, imagine how desperate he got to get out. Jesus says something similar, and he says this. He, he points to um, this, this kind of like same kind of picture. And imagine how gruesome you would be to cut your own arm off just to survive. <laughs> but Jesus says this, so if your eye, even your good eye, ca- causes you to lust, gouge it out. <laughs> Throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than the whole body to be thrown in hell. And if your hand, even your strong hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown in hell. Obviously, Jesus is not really implying literally that you have to cut out your arm. But what Jesus is saying here is employ desperate measures because hell is a horrible place. Hell is not somewhere you wanna go, is what Jesus is trying to say. Now, what's the hope in this? I, I know I talked about the guy, I talked about all these things. The hope is that Jesus says, look, <laughs> I came, I left heaven for you, that you'd spend the rest of your eternity with me. And we have this idea that when you die, there's this afterworld, and we don't really know. So, like, I don't really kind of get it, and I don't really know if I want to go there. Because what if in the afterworld, right, like, afterlife, right, like, what if we get there and it's just like, we're just kind of like floating around? That would be like a weird thing. That's not what Jesus died for. Jesus did not die that you might have an afterlife. Jesus died so you can be resurrected to supernatural life. Do you like being alive right now? Do you like going snowboarding and seeing the sun and seeing the ocean and seeing all those things? Those are amazing things. Quite frankly, I really love life. You see, when Jesus was resurrected, he wasn't some ghost. He was real. You could touch his hands. He was, he was fully alive. That's what Jesus called us to. He didn't call us to, to exist in some weird thing. And, and, it, and the Bible makes it very clear that after this, after this world passes away, there will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth. 
He says that the, the tabernacle of God will come and He will live amongst us. And there will be no more crying. There will be no more pain. And God Himself will wipe away every single tear. Now, my time is almost over, but I want to ask you this. Have you considered that the things that you do, it's not necessarily, okay, well, this is going to lead you to hell or this is going to lead you to heaven. Every single step that you take, it makes you more like Christ or it makes you more like the devil. And it's weird to say that hell is a real possibility for any of us here. And you're like, no, I got Jesus. Thank you very much. Like, I got this. I, I know who I trust. But Jesus said, not all that say to me, Lord, Lord, will inherit the kingdom of, of heaven. Jesus also said that there will be a time where people will come and say, Lord, but we, we cast out demons and we've seen these miracles and we've done these miracles in your name. Jesus says, get away from me. I've never known you. I've never known you. Guys, I don't want you to get depressed about this. But I wanted to put it in perspective. The hell is, a, is for real. It's an actual place. I want to take one more moment here and say this. In this current culture that we have, we get to impact a lot of people. Used to be where you lived in the village and you maybe impacted, what, 100 people. But now we have Instagram, we have Facebook, and we have all these things. We have our church, and you know a lot of people, and you have a lot of influence. And every single thing that you do, you're either influencing people towards heaven or towards hell. You're influencing them towards Christ or towards the devil. I hope that none of us ever get there and see a friend of yours coming and you're in hell and they're in hell because you've influenced them in the wrong direction. That's a lot of responsibility to take on. So you know those little things that you do and you don't think that your youth pastor knows? And trying to hide it and all those things? All those things eventually will come to light. I always say, if we displayed every single thought that you had on this big screen, you probably have to leave town. But it's okay, because my thoughts sometimes like that just as much. You see, Christians don't claim to be perfect Christians claim to be forgiven. And people don't go to hell because they sinned. Yeah, that's the punishment. They go to hell because they they chose to reject God. And when you grew up in the Russian community, you know how they told you, like, don't blaspheme against the Holy Spirit? That's not something you say, by the way. Blaspheming against the Holy Spirit is turning your, your back towards the sacrifice of Jesus. And because of that, there's no no other way. Jesus is the only way. And if you've taken, if you've turned your back on Christ, there's no more hope for us. So my time was over. But I want to invite you right now to a prayer. I'm going to have our worship team come up. I want you to understand 
that this is not, I, I am serious when I say this, that we have to talk about <laughs> these things because Jesus talked about these things. Now, I know maybe this wasn't a really inspiring message, but I want to call you to prayer and say, say this to you, that if you've been backsliding, if you've been turning away, if you've been trying to hide things in, in the background, why don't you come and say, Lord, this is who I am. God, I've been acting like the devil. And I am not a son of the devil. I'm your son. Lord, I want to see a change in my heart. Now, I know that this message might not bring a whole bunch of people to church. And my, you know, and if you brought somebody here and you think it's like, what's going on today? It's not always like this. <laughs> but I want to put things in perspective. That what we, what we do here at youth or in small groups, it's not a joking matter. Heaven's real. I mean, hell is, is real. Jesus still saves. The Holy Spirit still convicts. God will judge. Satan is destined for hell, and I don't want you to be there. So would you stand with me right now? And Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you and inspire you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, would you share it with other people? Thank you in advance, and until next time, God bless you.